Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Back to Waypoint Sports and Sports Adjacent. I don't. Do I have to do this? Do I have to yeah. do the? I have to do no, the you intro. Have to, you have to finish strong. <laughs> hey everyone, welcome back to Waypoint Sports and Sports Adjacent podcast. It sets out to disprove the notion that people with lives dedicated to pixels jumping across the screen can't also be unhealthily interested in what nerds condescendingly refer to as sports ball every Super Bowl. Rob, well, I'm going to start off this episode at least. This last episode. With a final question. Are the Bears back? You know, uh, you'll have to tell me because some stuff happened around the time of the draft. Uh, I technically, as- technically, Rob, we, we if we just want if you want to take the question at face value, um, OTAs are occurring at the moment, which is sort of like a training, uh, like a, a mild training session. Kind of so like they're literally back. They are literally back before yeah. they go uh, on vacation. Uh, before actual training camp starts in, uh, I believe, late late July. So, you know, having to answer the existential question of, are they back? I don't know. Will DJ Moore, like, unlock Justin Fields with these offensive line uh, They're probably more back than Aaron Rodgers. Uh, <laughs> that's true. He does have that. Watching, I guess, Alan Lazard, the wide receiver they signed, the ex-Packer, Came back on the field, um, and it's normal during OTAs and like early training camp for folks to have like conditioning issues. But boy, it was kind of delightful to watch the like couple of Jets fans in my life like have it because like everyone's gonna get fired if this season goes awry. Like this season is a not just make the playoffs, but like probably win a playoff game or bust for the Jets organization before everyone is is swept out to try and find a brand new quarterback uh, all over again. Um, you know, we've we have discussed I I have mixed feel I I want Jets fans to be happy, but they've been they've been saddled with an arch nemesis of mine. And so I, I cannot with a, a you know cleanly just root for the Jets to be good. No, I want it to go in the most like classically Jets way possible, which is really nothing about Jets fans at this point. This is just Packer hate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I've already seen the the grand like the the, the storylines coming out of uh o, you know these these OTAs, these early training practices are always weird, you know. I already saw the ones coming from like Packers OTAs are like, "Look, are we where we want to be yet?" No. Is Jordan Love any good? Who can say? Do you want to go like three for 11 on a seven on seven drill, which usually favors the offense? Like you don't. It's not what you want to see. But, you know, it's early. Like, you know, <laughs> who could say that there was. Did you see how they structured his contract? Uh, no. So Jordan Love, for, for people who aren't familiar, is essentially a quarterback who was drafted by the Green Bay Packers, I believe, four years ago. Um. With the idea being that Aaron Rodgers was potentially like having a a fairly normal expected decline in performance that happens for uh, these kind of like high level athletes at like their mid to late 30s. Um, 
that pissed Aaron Rodgers off. It was at the same time they had gotten rid of uh, Mike McCarthy and their new uh, coach, uh, uh, LaFleur. Uh, it was unclear what, you know, how good he was going to be. And then Aaron Rodgers goes on to have back-to-back incredible like MVP scenes where he is both good and he's in a system that is excellent and that, you know, produced some – he didn't produce, produce Super Bowls. Mostly produced back-to-back ass-kickings by the 49ers in the playoffs. But they were a good team. And so this Jordan Love just sits on the bench, sits on the bench. Uh, this is not like, you know, and this is what Aaron Rodgers did do, right? Like he was on the bench, I think, for three or four seasons before uh, Brett Favre did the exact same thing, including going to the fucking Jets that Aaron Rodgers is doing now. But basically, like at this stage of a rookie contract arc, that you want to make a decision what's called the fifth year option. That is a team uh, a contract option that keeps the player cost controlled for another year it's it's expensive is more expensive than the first four years of the contract but it essentially gives you another option before even for mid-level quarterbacks you're paying 30 something million go look at the daniel jones contract with the giants right like he's not a great quarterback but if they are competent and good the market value on them is 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 pretty high but there's like no evidence that jordan love is any good there's also really no evidence that he's bad. And so the Packers were not really in a position where they wanted to pick up his fifth year option. Jordan Love was not really in a position to be like, well, I'll just walk away and, you know, I'm just going to earn a bunch of money uh, from someone else because there's no body of work to look at. So he ends up signing like this two year deal that is like has upside for him that can match the, the fifth year player option. Um, but if he's bad, cost controls Jordan Love for for two years where it doesn't really impact the team all that much as they transition out of like the the Aaron Rodgers contract which I think is going to be on their books for at least like this season and next um, to some degree it's it's a bizarre situation yeah the Jordan Love situation has always been a weird one because it was like one of those things where the Packers felt like they were backed into needing to draft someone like this, just in case the twofold things of like Rod- Rogers appeared to be declining a little bit. And then there was the Aaron Rodgers of it all. So there are two reasons to kind of have at least something in your back pocket. It's good. Team also, building. like it's like, I, I, I can't argue with the. I mean, it's you, for you sure, be- but it was also the thing that ignited the next yeah. four years of <laughs> yeah. drama where yeah. it was like this. Aaron's not happy that they thought about, ever having another quarterback um and then you know because of the weirdness around it there was always this really fraught like well what have we got here um to be fair like i don't think we saw much of aaron Rodgers while Favre was there uh, that was another like long cooling your heels period but it doesn't seem like there's the same confidence like he we, we have seen him a bit in some games uh and there just hasn't been as you said a lot of evidence one way or the other but i think you're always hoping that you would get some sign that there's something explosive. There's explosive potential. And it hasn't been seen, as far as we can tell, in practice or in those few game appearances. Yeah, he was okay against the the, the Chiefs game where I think Rodgers was out with COVID uh, last, last, was that last season, the season before? Um, something like that. Uh, I mean, on the Bears front, I mean, the, the, the few things that we can kind of grasp onto at this point that we can say about the team before things like training camp arrives and rosters are finalized and you're approaching preseason games is that uh, like we've had like the general manager, Ryan Poles has, I think been doing some interesting expectation setting. He was pretty clear 
Uh, like for a general manager, maybe because he's young or maybe it's a different style, is pretty straightforward about this is what I like and this is what I want, as opposed to a lot of the kind of executive or coach doublespeak that you frequently get out of uh, football in particular. And last year was a lot of, you know, trying to figure out what kind of team we are, trying to establish a culture. And that is just that's about as close as you're going to get to. We expect to be bad and we're going to be bad. But I can't say that because it would be demoralizing to the team. Uh, whereas this year, like he's been doing interviews, where he's like we we expect to be pretty good. We expect to be competing for meaningful games in December. And then I saw this stat that was really interesting. And this is something I thought about a lot on the Bears path to having the number one overall pick. When they were not, I don't think they were the worst team in football. I think they were a bad team. But getting to the number one pick is a combination of being bad and extraordinarily luck. It's yeah. what happened with the Bears, where the the, the Texans fourth and twentyed themselves into winning a game. That that's allowed. not luck. That's Bears culture. That is Bears. Yeah, Bear. That's love. Well, frankly, I mean, <laughs> when you've turned that sort of stuff into Bears culture, I no, we don't call it luck. We call it Bears culture. Uh, and I saw this stat, uh, I believe this is this number is correct, in which the Bears were in, in the same way that the Vikings, for example, were in, I don't know what, what the actual number was, but let's, say, let's just say eight, because I think the number for the Bears is eight. The Vikings were, for the sake of argument, in um, eight games that were decided by one score, and they basically won all of them. Like, there was a reason that team got their asses kicked by the Giants of all teams in the playoffs, because they were not a bad team. But their record was kind of fraudulent, and they won the equivalent of coin tosses over and over. It just like kept coming up heads as they were predicting heads. The Bears right. were in eight one-score games and basically lost all of them. I think they won one. Um, and that, that's like measured by like being a one-score game at some point in the fourth quarter or going into the fourth quarter. Um, so that's a competitive team that got a combination of bad luck. And I mean, how many times, Rob, if you like think back to – uh, like I think back to the uh, Commanders game. I think back to I think it's the Dolphins games. The, the Commanders game, especially where they were at the like they were literally like at the end of the field, and like Justin Fields threw the ball like three times, and like I believe Darnell Mooney had a uh, had a catch that he just dropped. There was another one at the Dolphins game where where Justin Fields was converting a fourth down through just a money shot. Um, I don't know if it was Chase Claypool. I don't know who was catching it. We had a lot of no-name catchers, and he dropped it. And there, there were so many moments where you lost a game and went, "Yay, Justin Fields looked good!" And "Yay, they lost for the draft pick," but also we lost. And so the team is just not. Team is like spent money, has uh, conceivably good draft picks, um, and more experience with Justin Fields and like you know the the, the trade picks like with, with the DJ Moore. And then if you just accept like normal statistical like regression to the mean, if they win four out of those like eight, plus being a slightly better team, like they're going to win a lot more than three games. Um, and and I, you know I guess what we could do, should we just run down the schedule? Oh, because I think it's out, right? Oh shit! Don't look at okay, the document. Yes. The document has nothing on it. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, we realized no, it's no that's not realized from the last one. That's the last show. Um, Chicago Bear, I believe, yeah, because they did the whole schedule uh, nonsense. Um, oh no, Pat! See, this is immediately where I like Patrick. I am like my head is like the Bears are still not going to be a good football team this season. But right away, I'm like, but what do you think the season is going to be? Um, all right, so let's do. We'll do these. These uh, I'm, I'm pacing these in week one. So this is the first five weeks of the season. Um, 
the Green Bay Packers. Uh, they are playing uh, at yes, at Soldier Field at home against the Green Bay Packers. I don't like this, like from a vibes perspective. Oh, it's a national if the game. The team too. is they have a bunch of three twenty five games, um, which is which is the 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 NFL saying, well. Maybe you're going to be good. We're not going to give you a whole lot of the, uh, you know, the, yeah, but although they have a handful of actual uh, national, like national night games uh, throughout the season. But th- th- I just don't like, like, let's say we fast forward and the team wins nine games. How many times in that scenario do you think it's also possible to be in the world where we lose that first week and just it's Packers fans rubbing it in our face. They're a rebuilding team. Like they lost Rodgers and they beat us with Jordan Love. Like that's very easy to conceive. But I'm going to give them the dub. It's not going to happen. Bears no, win. I'm giving the dub. I'm giving the dub. Yes, exactly. Because the vibes are good. Um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers week two. <laughs> the Bucks. The Bucks. Baker Mayfield. They're done. Yeah. That's a W. That's a W. Bears win. It. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs. That's an L. <laughs> that's, that's an L. Uh, uh, oh, playing at playing at Arrowhead. Um, yeah, that that is an L. Uh, but week four, talk about what the hell? What the hell do you expect from a team? I do. Yeah, they play uh, the Denver Broncos. Uh, they are playing at Soldier Field, uh, a Sunday noon uh, game. So the, the the schedule makers also don't really know what to expect. The I think I saw. I'm going to get the numbers on here a little incorrect, but that um, going into last season, the Broncos were something like, it, it, like it, it, for betting odds, in the top five of like uh, most likely to make, at least make the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl, like one of those metrics. And they were one of the worst teams in football. Got, got a one-and-done coach. Uh, Russell Wilson did not look done, but looked as though mm. this is a profound... I, I think he can still be pretty good if he is able to put his ego aside or get pushed around into playing a, a, a style of play. And I do think they've picked a coach that yes is is not going to is going to tell him, look, if you want to be here next season, because I'm going to be here next season, uh, then, you know, like Sean Payton is going to be there for five years. Russell right. Wilson might a, be this gone. This is not a fix-it deal. Correct. Yeah, th- and so right. I, 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 I can 100% believe it, a, a world where – Russell Wilson is bad again, is fighting with his coach, and he is gone, and he's made his tens of millions, but he is essentially either has to suck it up and become a backup, become a Baker Mayfield, like on the on, who's who's the quarterback for the Bucks this this year. Um, so I don't know what to expect of that team. They've already done the very the, the Sean Payton Saints thing, which is like picks. You know what I mean? Like they gave a bunch away for Russell Wilson. And instead of like stockpiling, be conservative, think about what the team's going to be in two years. They're trading up. They're trading. I mean, they're just they're doing what Sean Payton does, which is the team's going to be what he wants the team to be as fast as he wants it to be. And um, that's just at least makes them interesting. But I don't know. It does, but I don't think it makes them winners. I don't. Um, I think well, I think it I, makes us I winners. actually Exactly, I think the Bears win, but I, I will say I think I think Russell's done, and I like I, that that sucks. I I don't bear the guy ill His will. Deep I would ball, like him to get more seasons. When he was good, was some of the most fun to watch because he would he he threw those moonshots right like yes. he, he would whip the ball, and it's you don't see this all the time in football, but the camera just has to watch this ball go up and up and it's just up there and you don't know what's going to happen on the other side and in more times than not 
you know, a Tyler Lockett or whoever would would catch those, and they were tremendous. But he but just he does, does not. The seem problem is he doesn't even that. have compelling short passes at this point. Like no. his arm looks so weak, and it's like. You know, with with Brady, not not the very tail end of Brady, but like even the final seasons when the arm was a shadow of itself, he still had the capacity to to deliver those like on time short passes. And the crucial part there is they have to be on time. You know, like if the read is right and the pass is short, you still have to get it out fast and it has to have a little bit of zip on it. Like not even a lot, but some. And man, there were so many games where Wilson's arm looked like it was just incapable of throwing a ball at like NFL velocities. I like that's my concern, um, but could be a great day for the Bears defense. Uh, I agree. OK. All right. So we're saying. We're saying dub. We're saying we're even though Sean Payton is a good coach, an excellent coach, probably one of the best coaches. I don't think that I don't think he's treating next season as his mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. turn the ship around season. I I agree. All right. Uh, uh, The commanders who uh, at this point, uh, they're in the midst of a sale. They do not. um, Sam Howell is their quarterback with who they're saying the quarterback or it's Jacoby Brissett, who is solid. When, when yeah. he doesn't get injured um, or attacked by doctors. Isn't he the one that got the, the needle in his lung um, no, when he was on the I, Chargers? I swear to God, are you sure that wasn't another installment of Geno Smith's unfathomable luck? You might be right. I mean, he's one of the what, – what, like these like, like journeyman quarterbacks who nope, are so, – All right. Nope. Tyrod. Tyrod Taylor. Okay. Well, again – I Jacoby Brissett, Tyrod Taylor, these are all like these kind of curse quarterbacks. Curse quarterbacks yeah. um, who kind of just go play. When they're on your team, it means you've drafted somebody. And they're like, well, this guy's going to play until our guy is ready, which means like between one and three weeks <laughs> before the guy uh, is, is on the field. So they have an excellent defense. Um, Chase Young um, was injured all of last year. He's extremely good. I think their defense is going to be great. I think their offense has a bunch of really good skill players. I would put this one as a toss-up. I think they're going to be a better team than expected. Um, and so I'm inclined like to give some L's because we got to hand we got to hand them out like in some places, right? And I'm certainly not going to do it to the neck to number six, the game after this, the Minnesota Vikings. Unless, how do you feel? Is this where we split? Are you are you saying dub? I th- I think it's a dub. Okay, all right. Bears culture stronger than Washington's. <laughs> Well, as far as I know, the Bears have never asked for any employees' passports uh, (laughs) before before a big event. Uh, Week six against the Minnesota Vikings. This will be at Soldier Field. I think the Vikings are due for a huge come down. I don't think they're going to be a bad team, but I think they're going to be a profoundly mediocre team. And they are clearly ready to move on from Kirk Cousins. And I'm just ready to get back into kicking that boy's ass. So that's that's a dub for me. For me, this is an L. Wow. Okay. I think they are primed for a come down, but I actually suspect they don't. My suspicion is they're still decent. They're better than you think they're going to be, and they're just like average. Well, I mean, Justin Jefferson is just tremendous. Um, um. And the thing is, like, Cousins showed that, like, in key moments, he's not going to be that guy. Sure, but he's still he's still productive. Um, so I, I think the Vikings could still be the sort of team to humble a rising Bears team. An ascending Bears team. All right. The week seven, 
Los and Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, this is played at Soldier Field. We got a string of Soldier Field games. We have the, the Vikings from Soldier Field. They're that broken. Team, okay. That they're broken and broke. Like they literally, like the word is, they don't have enough cash on hand to make the changes they need to to fix the organization. They can't. They like they can't deal with the coaching situation. Um, you know, the, like it all starts with the ruinous contract they gave to Gruden. Uh, and then they gave McDaniel a like good contract, uh, and and he seems like, like he can be done if they have a bad season. Um, he would uh, the uh, I think I've seen some coverage that he would be done if they can afford they to have him be done. <laughs> they can't eat the the the, the, uh, the contract because they're still paying parts of the Gruden stuff. Yeah, well, it's a family business. They mm-hmm. like the Raiders were in such a good position, but they spent so much money building what they thought would be like a dynasty out uh, like on a foundation of sand uh, that they they screwed up their money. So it's dumb. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Next week, uh, going to SoFi Stadium, going uh, flying out to Los Angeles. This is uh, right before Halloween, uh, October 29th. A 7-20 game, Rob, oh, which nope. means this is, this is Sunday night football. Um, this is Patrick, night. when in your life has anything good happened with a Halloween night uh, national game uh, with the Packers, uh, with, the, with the Bears uh, of late? I feel like I don't know, Rob. October twenty fourth, two thousand twenty two. Bears thirty three. New England Patriots fourteen. That was the best game. That was like some of the most fun I've had watching football. Oh, that, game. that was my favorite Bears game <laughs> since Bears. Uh, Bears Rams, I want to say, yeah. like ages ago, yes. or yes. maybe Bears Cowboys, where we got shit housed uh, at mm-hmm, that bar, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but. I still, yeah, I, I just like this is. I feel like I've oh, seen I'm with the, you. It's an L. I'm, I'm a Halloween weekend game uh, with a national broadcast. Oof. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm with. You. And the Chargers are good. And this, like, they're in their Super Bowl window. Like, the, the, yeah. what you want out of games like the Chargers or the Chiefs, even when we're assigning the L's, is they were they were often competitive for about a half, and then somewhere in the third quarter. Early fourth, they're just what they didn't have the juice, um, and and Fields would get t- like it was would start getting tired, and like couldn't pull off the runs, and like wasn't getting blocks for passes. So, like a a loss that is you know twenty seven thirty, it's like oh that's that's like a win for for the you know or even twenty thirty right where like you're putting well, points on the board. And you it feel presupposes good about it. like three touchdowns, which right. is right. like a new world for the Bears. Right, right. Uh, all right, week nine. Uh, we have the the Bears uh, at the New Orleans Saints uh, going uh, to uh, New Orleans for this. This is a Sunday game at noon. The Saints were okay last year. Who is their quarterback? Is it Jameis Winston again? No, they, they go to Carr. Is this where Carr washed that up? Is after? where Derek Carr went. You're right. You're right. Um, and I, I, I like Derek that would Carr. Be nice. I think, yes. I think he is not a bad quarterback by by any means he is above the jimmy garoppolo like andy dalton like middle of the pack pure system like kind of quarterback but um, i still think like 
I, it feels like New Orleans is a situation where once again he will bear an undue share of blame for a thing that is like hopelessly flawed around him. Bears I, win. I think I think this is a coin flip game, and in coin flip games, we're bearing down and we're saying the dub. <laughs> uh, now this one is really good. This is Ooh. this is a good set. This has some drama. Week ten. Um, uh, the first Thursday night game. Um, so the Bears will be going from New Orleans, flying no, flying back to Chicago for a Thursday night game at Soldier Field against the Carolina Panthers. Famously, the team that the Bears traded with to go from number one to number nine. They have their new uh, uh, quarterback, uh, Bryce Young, um, who is, if you know anything about him, he is extremely short. <laughs> he is a really short quarterback, um, and. Uh, by week 10, he should be playing. They haven't said, obviously, it's too early to say who's going to be the starters. But if you have the number one pick in the draft and you've drafted a quarterback by week 10, no matter what's happening, like that, that kid is playing. And so it is going to, you know, DJ Moore, who like their number one wide receiver, who is now the Bears number one wide receiver, will be on the team. There's just a lot of fun storylines. And. This is a good one, Rob. This was—I think this was pointed out on the Hogan's Johns uh, podcast recently. You know, when you're thinking about the the team building aspect of the Bears going beyond this year, you know, we own the number the uh, first round pick from the Panthers next year, and I believe it's the second round pick that year or the year after. I forget exactly how that that works out. But this is a rare scenario where you want to win not just because you want the dub. But because it increases, it de- like it sends their draft pick higher, which sends our draft pick higher, and so it's like a twofold win. It's like it's for team building, and it's for you know Bears culture, which is good. So because of that, I have to give them the dub. Like there's too much juice on that. Are you sticking with that? Are you giving the Panthers a shot? They have a good defense. Brian Burns, right? I think he's yeah. Really- and the thing is, like. I just don't, I don't, like, for me, I just don't know what to expect from the Bears defense either. Mm-hmm. So, like, the like I could see this being an episode where, like, whatever Bryce Young's flaws are, I could see his profile just, like, torching uh, Bears defense that isn't, like, really built out and doesn't, like, have a ton it's, of It's talent. like Kyler Murray, right? Like, that is that is the closest, like, physical comparison we have uh, for, for Bryce Young. I think he's a better prospect um, than yeah. Bryce Young, than, than Kyler Murray, but, like, Small and, Russ, and frankly, Russell Wilson is like from the same sort of athletic build, like yeah. small, running around, making things happen. Um, okay, all right, Rob. Yeah, I Rob think is, it's okay. yeah, I think it's a, uh, I think it's a Bears loss. Okay, um, all right. Uh, next week, week eleven, uh, the Bears are traveling to Detroit uh, for a noon uh, game uh, against the Lions. Um, they're going to be good this year. I think the division, they got David Montgomery. <laughs> yeah, but then they drafted a running back really high in the first round. I, I actually think on David Montgomery, I'm pretty pissed because uh, uh, you were supposed to come in as maybe a featured back, and now you're. Uh, I uh, you the know, Bears tried I, to keep him. I think, I, but what I mean is like the way Poles has talked about that contract that they offered to Montgomery was that it was a competitive offer, and so you kind of got the sense like, hey, fresh start. Like featured role, um, and then they go and draft like a high profile first round running back. Um, just, but I root, I root for, I root for David Montgomery. I root for his his success. Yeah, I, you know, uh, I, I'm taking this an L. I think he'll get his touches. 
Uh, oh, like, I don't yeah, think you sure. need to worry about that. But uh, I think this is a um, another Bears loss. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. So we're, we're both in the loss category. Um, all right, the, uh, I think the Bears are going to end up splitting with a lot of the division is like broadly how I how I feel about it, mostly because I just don't know how things are. Like, the, the Bears team is just such an unknown in terms of what they're. I know what their floor is. I just don't know what their ceiling is. Um, and then we'll get a better uh, sense of that in the division. Uh, week 12, uh, Monday night football uh, uh, at in Minnesota at U.S. Bank Stadium against the Vikings uh, for uh, saying that that's an L two. All yep. right. So uh, Rob is saying two L's against the Vikings. Um I am also going to say an L, but I I, I gave them a win uh, earlier. Uh, I think like it'll be so like look to me the way this shakes out is it's going to be a short week against Carolina. Mm-hmm. They are set up to get like sort of stunned there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lions, who knows what's going to happen? Week twelve, it's a Monday night game. Panic will be setting in. Uh, they'll want to like make a statement on like a nationally carried game. They won't. Uh, or like the Do wrong. We go into the we go into the bye week. In a panic, in a tizzy. Yes. yes. Like, is Justin Fields the guy? Are we are we going for a quarterback next year? You said yeah. that's the conversation in Chicago. Wow. Okay. Because yeah, week thirteen, uh, Bears are on a bye. Then they come back and immediately have to play the Lions again. This time in Soldier Field, Sunday noon game, uh, December tenth. Um, dub. Dub, okay. All right. Rob is going with Connor was going with the dub. Um uh, I'm gonna give them a win as well, because I think again, I think it's gonna get split. Uh week fifteen. This is one of the several uh to be determined games. They have not said trying to figure out if one or both of these teams is gonna be real. Uh I think part of this is they can fl- they they have the new flex into Thursday right. option. So this could be flexed into Thursday, which is why it's not um, listed here. Um, so, yeah, so they play the Browns at, in Cleveland. Um, we don't know what time. Could be like a primetime uh, Thursday game. I don't know what to make of the Browns. I don't know what to make of Deshaun Watson. I don't, you know, I mean, I know what to make of Deshaun Watson, but you know what I mean. But, uh, like, what what is left there is a football What kind player. of player? He was bad yeah. last year, um, uh, which was and good. you kind of expect him to be, but you would have expected to see more of uh, who he was when he was such a high-value uh, item before. Right. What does it mean to be away from the game that long? Yeah. Like, what kind of mental state is this person in? Uh, you know, I don't mean that in an empathetic sense. I just mean it more in a brag, like a practical sense. Like, what happens when a player d- basically doesn't touch the field for two years and is embroiled in everything that was going on uh, around them and then yeah. is thrust with this, um, like, enormous uh, guaranteed contract? You know, gets the money regardless of what happens. Um, I mean, it's dub time. Okay, all right. Rob's going. Rob's going with the W. I think I'm going to go with a loss. Um, um, a lot of the analysts that I follow have said they've the Browns have had a really good off season, but I think like none of that will matter if Watson is a like below average quarterback. So like some some of this is like contingent on you know what did they pay for? What are they actually getting? Uh, week 16, uh, a 3:25 game, uh, so an afternoon game uh, uh, at Soldier Field against. The Arizona Cardinals will be happening on Christmas Eve. And Rob, we're all going to get a gift, a gift of a dub against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, New Year's Eve. Right. Huh? Oh, no, you're at Christmas yeah, Eve. Oh, I was playing New Year's Eve and Christmas Eve. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, the team is bad. Kyler Murray is not going to, you know, 
it's got to be horrible. Like all like serious, like, you know, athletic injuries are, are, are like horrible. You want, you'd rather just see all players playing at the heights of their powers and just competing on, on that. But like to in football, especially to have like an ACL tear deep into the season, because that is just a bare minimum, like year long process to come back from, especially when you're a player like him, where he has to run and cut, you know, it's not, he's not a pocket passer sort of. So it's like, I don't, we have, it, it may be that he is, barely plays and is not very good even when he plays next year. And they're clearly a team looking towards the future. I think there's a very realistic scenario where Kyler Murray's not even on that team because there is a Andrew Luck, Caleb something, is the, like, Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, like, oh, shit. Like, kind of how Trevor Lawrence was talking to. Like, this is the prospect. Like, this is the one you want if if you can get him. And they're going to be in a position to 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 – because the Texans, they, the Cardinals own the Texans and their own number one pick next year. Um, they, I've seen mock drafts where they they actually have one and two, and there is a Jamar Chase level wide receiver next year called Marvin Harris, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. I believe is uh, their name, um, and so the, the Cardinals could be a completely different team. But in the meantime, we get that W, and then we head into Week 17, also known as the Ryan Pace. 2.0 team because he just for that for the I think it was two seasons ago but like or I guess it was season ago we just kept acquiring ex Chicago Bears players down there I saw that just recently who was our, uh, our 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 GM before Ryan Pace do you remember during the Jay Cutler era um, might have yeah uh, Jerry Angelo retire I thought he died somebody died like recently ish. No, it's no, it's not. It's not died. Um, I, I, I believe uh, Jerry Angelo went to um, also uh, do some like reti- um, like consultant work on the Falcons. Um, and he I think he retired. I think that's right. Um, anyway, they are at Soldier Field uh, Sunday at noon on New Year's Eve. So we get like delightful uh Bears games on Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, which is awesome. That's always fun. The Bears used to have that Thanksgiving game against the Lions. Maybe you and they, I will go to one. That's true. That's true. Ooh. Ooh. Um so that's sorry family. I have to hang out with my work family uh at Soldier Field. <laughs> I need to come back pretty intoxicated. Dad's home. Dub dub dub. Uh I don't know. I I, I think the, the Falcons are going to have an inc- incredible offense this year. They they drafted Bijan Robinson, who has been talked about as a running back prospect that is the best since uh, Saquon Barkley, and in and in many ways apparently might be better. They have uh, uh, Drake London, uh, who's a really good wide receiver. They have Kyle Pitts, who is basically a wide receiver tight end. Like, and then they have I forget the quarterback they drafted um a year ago he's kind of unproven we didn't learn a ton about him last year but i think their offense is going to be sick and i think the Bears are going to (laughs) lose i just don't i don't know that they're going to have the firepower to keep up with that um at least this early at least this early on so i i am marking that down as a loss how does rob zachney feel i feel good okay all right uh it's a win win for rob Elf Patrick, and then finally, I, just, I feel like the Falcons may be a step further away from a big turnaround uh, than the, than the Bears are, and I they can see doing, them losing the, the the shootout. They are doing a wild roster construction, which is just picking using first round draft picks year after year on on 
high upside uh, skill players. That's just not usually how it's done. Um, but it does mean that they should have an interesting and fun offense. And we'll just have to see if the Bears can keep up. Week 18, end the season. To be determined, time uh, to be determined, not where it's played. It's been playing in Lambeau Field. But we start the, we end the season where we began with the Green Bay Packers. Um, maybe it's worth, at this point, Rob, I'm going to tally up what the record would be at this point. So, one, two... Patrick, three, it don't matter to me what the record is at this point. <laughs> You're saying dub? You're saying dub? Dub. Okay, we end... Okay, the question uh, is, what what playoff seed are we clinching? <laughs> All right, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> Rob, Rob has us winning 11 games. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. And I have us winning eleven games. So we are going eleven in yeah, six? seventeen games now. Um. So, uh, so the bear, according to us, the Bears are going eleven and six. That's that might not be enough to win the division. The Lions could be better than that, but we will be firmly in. The hunt. That's where the Bears live, baby. <laughs> that graphic on Sunday Night Football. Oh, we're gonna in be the there. <laughs> Maybe oh fall my. off for a week, but then we come right back because somebody else had a bad week. Oh my God, eleven and six. That's gonna come back and no way that can come back and haunt us. Rob. I feel now that's that... still more measured than we were last year after the 49ers I it... win. <laughs> I think the 49ers win was like the most, we are so high on this one game. Did you see the... that clip of Justin I... Fields sliding was, through the he rain? He was sliding like a penguin, yeah. No, I, I swear to God, I think we picked them to like lose three or four games that season. <sighs> so that's our predictions on the Chicago Bears. Uh, before we uh, take a break... Uh, and at the pace we're going, we are going to have to record this in two parts because we didn't even talk about the NBA playoffs. But before we get to that, because Rob and I are going to jump off of this and go stream some uh, uh, the PlayStation kind of E3 press conference uh, thing that's happening. Uh, let's see. What do we have here from you, the listeners, uh, as you're writing into this final? Um, uh, oh, OK. Uh, sports related. Any thoughts on the most recent season of Ted Lasso? Have you watched any of it? Uh, yeah, I'm a couple episodes behind because MK's been traveling, but I've watched a bunch. I think it's bad. I think it's really bad. Um, I still am... wa- I, it's like it's it's extremely watchable. It is a very watchable show that in the moment, ah, okay. And then as I've thought about like many of the storylines that they're playing out this season, they don't make sense to me. I find them frustrating. Every episode is an hour now. Um, when it used to be Dude, like a like, tight 30. This is the first time where like, a couple times I've seen the runtime on the episode and I've just been like, we'll watch this later. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, so I think it opened strong. I think there's some decent ideas they've... But here's the thing. This whole season, they've come up to interesting ideas and then kind of not done anything with them. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I thought having Nate turn into a bastard in season two was actually kind of a stroke of genius. Like exploring kind of the dark side of this hero to zero story that we'd sort of been set up for uh, or zero to hero type story. And to have it turn out to be that like once this guy is on top, he turns into uh, like a megalomaniacal shithead. Well, and, and that like it was the, you know, for all the, you know, Ted Lasso, the Ted Lassoisms and his wave with people like 
oh, like maybe that doesn't that didn't work here. Why didn't it work? Yeah. Like, is it a failure or is that, you know, like and that so was an interesting season, setup. In this season an three, entire was, season of Nate just being, oh, gee, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm back to being old Nate. Oh, I'm so shy and little God, small If bean. I could just fuck this lady at the restaurant, then everything like, be better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is like, that's the other thing is we're coming up on like, oh, so we're just doing like straight up incel fantasy shit now. Uh, where like the thing that he needed was like uh, the love of the girl he was obsessed with uh, who's like totally not a slut and that you know that's kind of the Mm -hmm. the vibe of this is like she was kind of mean to him but you know it's clear she's been waiting for him to get his shit together and now he's got this like sweet romantic you know uh, relationship that's going to turn him into a completely different person right and And he's finally going to stand up to that mean guy at the other football team and like and require rejecting all the like the trapping like who was presented as the foil was like here's some like cold calculating like eastern european models man they're Mm -hmm. so hot but like they're bad women and don't you want this like and so the whole thing gets like really weird yes so that whole plot sucked they wasted it uh the other thing i felt they were coming up close to is is ted maybe a bad coach or has ted's message gone as far as it can but he actually can't coach a team with pretensions to competing at a high level in premier league interesting idea there's an episode where um uh higgins actually floats like do we need to think about making a change at the top which would have been a fascinating plot for Ted Lasso to handle, which is like Have him this fired. group of people who are family. Yeah. Realize like maybe the right thing to do here is part ways. D- d- like it is, it is defanged the minute it comes up because no, instead he, instead he like, is completely inspired by going to a, like a bullshit American restaurant in Amsterdam. And remembering the Chicago Bulls existed right. and he could create a completely different uh, like scheme for for soccer. Uh, so that becomes uninteresting. Um, the, the, everything we don't know what to do with Keeley. The- like, ah, we really like this character, but... Um, Mm, you know, what I mean, if, like, what I if there was just a second workplace comedy happening within our workplace comedy? Yes, yes, and it's like they, it, it, it feels as though, oh, at some point, uh, we had a plot thread we wanted to pull on, where like, how would the men in her life deal with like the leaking of, you know, explicit photos um, that she had made for them or for herself or whatever? The, like, okay, I, I could, I could see that being part of the workplace drama element of Ted Lasso but like but you took her out of there and she's not in romantically involved with either of these men anymore and like this the show despite being an hour long is still not dedicating enough time hey guess dedic- what I actually don't give a shit if she and Roy ever get back together no. she like I don't care anymore because you know what it, like the other thing is you can actually go all out on a relationship and that is where I'm at with Roy and Keeley don't care the breakup was stupid and contrived uh I actually so now just own it and just move on (laughs) right like there's nothing now to make me think that these people should continue to be together but how do we get around that oh once again we'll introduce a woman who like seems cool but what if she isn't and that also felt like I think there's something for the fact that the Jack character once again is someone who's like wealth and privilege makes them seem very nice but it turns out that there's like a rottenness behind that facade. That's kind of a cool idea to explore, but 
it also kind of is once again a like a romantic threat in the form of a woman who's going to be revealed to be a monster here. Uh, well, it just and, feels like a spinoff. Like if like it, it it doesn't it is not a connective thread to like the heart of the show. It just feels like the show incapable of giving up like writing off characters or just properly spinning them off. Like, f- fine, you want to do Keeley has a workplace comedy of her own. Like, it's a universe that can probably support one of those as an experiment or let it be a one off episode. Right. Like, OK, well, like Keeley's back and we're going to expl- like it just feels oh. so like the and, show doesn't like is incapable of like it used to be a very tightly wound thing. And whether you liked it or not, it knew what it was. And it was it was it was really tight and like stayed true to that. And now it just feels like it is just like, and I also like don't believe it's the like end of the show. Like there's no. there's it does not feel like there's any sort of fin- finality coming. There like, might be a Ted Lasso verse coming where it's right. uh, Ted Lasso has ended and here's three different shows. Right. Like, uh, <laughs> but the the other thing is I will say this too the the Colin story is an example of you have gone so far out of your way to make sure that we all know that everyone in the show is like the most open-minded and liberal and sweet person ever. Like they've sanded away all like the icky parts of what you might find in a locker room. It is just the cutest, sweetest bunch of like positive uh, sports bros. But that does also mean that the entire, like can Colin come out to his teammates thing really has like zero suspense to it, even though we're going to linger over it because while the experience coming out may be fraught for us as the viewers, there is just zero. We have zero question as to how this is going to play out. They started to do this head fake of like, what if Isaac is secretly a homophobe? Nope. Like we've had three seasons to know who this guy is. Like, even if, even if you do reveal that he's a bit homophobic in some ways, Ted Lasso is a show where that would be brushed out of the way fast. It's just, it would just be like, Hey man, I didn't realize that. Like, you know, I was talking about, turns and out I do like gay happen. people. Cause I like you. And like the veil, the veil is dropped and like suddenly he's no longer, you know, homo. or he's asking questions and he's like, Oh, now I understand. I mean, the best part of that, that arc was everything prior to that was just like him with, uh, what's the the journalist that's like embedded with the team now? Um, Trent Krim. Yeah, I I thought like despite the fact that it's an overstuffed show with too many characters that it can't find the time to dedicate to them, despite its like long running time, like that little those interactions with them, like I would have been fine if that's all like let him come out and like have that with with uh, Trent, but all the stuff with the team, I'm I'm with you. Like there was just zero tension to to sap from that because this is just not what this kind of show is and like the one character who could have been that was like rob i've forgotten that was zala zappa whatever that that dude's name zappa yeah just that came and went might as well not have been in the show i like that is at least the kind of wild card that you could have introduced that maybe like what does the team do when their most talented player like actually can't accept like colin coming out Okay, maybe that would have been. But you said he just disappeared. <laughs> you, like he, the entire, Bye. yeah the the entire side plot was a waste. Uh, so yeah, like uh, I, like it has been. Yes, it is watchable. There are fun moments, but yeah, I don't care that much. Um, all these all these plot lines are are kind of fizzling, and it's, it's turned into a show that I'm. It's not quite watch out of obligation, but it used to be when there was a new episode out, I wanted to watch it and then I wanted to see what like people were saying about it and read about it. Now 
I'm like you, like two different times we have clicked on the episode and my wife goes like, how long is it? Like an hour and two minutes. She's like, well, we're not watching that tonight. And then it gets pushed down um, uh, the the queue and we get to it eventually. But it's not been like, you know, we're like much more inclined. It's like, I want to watch that silo show, which I've heard really good things about. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's where I think we're on the same page with with Ted Lasso. It's like I'm I'm kind of hoping this is it because I'd like to just be done with it. You know, it's like I'll watch the season. I'm invested. But I it is hard for me to think that i'm going to be like really excited to watch a whole other season of this um you know and and it's hard to imagine them giving it up i actually recommend people go check out that the 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 other show that bill lawrence um the creator co-creator of this and scrubs and and some other stuff uh, shrinking which is also on apple tv it's got harrison ford um it's like shockingly good and harrison ford acts for the first time like in decades in a way that is like, like, yeah, whatever. Like he was fine in force awakens and the other stuff, but I never feel like he's acting. You know what I mean? Like he's just sort of playing the character. Yeah, he's he's been in mailing it in mode for a while. Yes. Which is fine. The the man is old. Like do what you want. But if you want to see him actually act, he's, he's remarkably good in that show. So, all right, well, we're going to take a break, uh, so that we can go do this Sony stuff and then we'll come back and record a, a part two where we answer some more questions and talk about the NBA playoffs. We'll be back in a minute. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I am we're back. Last our thoughts out. Watch that PlayStation Showcase. We're moving through time in weird ways with this recording. Um, so before we, uh, you know, get out of here for the second half of the show, we'll answer a couple more questions as well. But also, Rob, the NBA playoffs, uh, the NBA finals are almost here. We thought we might get uh, what I guess some people are calling sweep miss, which was uh, the the Lakers getting swept by the Nuggets and then the Celtics getting swept by the heat but the uh, the Celtics I didn't watch a lot of that second half because we were recording something else <laughs> that people will hear at a later date um but like it seemed like the heat and Celtics were kind of nipping at each other's heels and then the, the the Celtics managed to pull away and probably are not going to pull out winning the series but are at least going to stop themselves from being like a, a completely embarrassed yeah I mean it's better to you know, it's it's if they end up going out in respectable fashion in the next game or something, uh, I I think it may not be quite as devastating a verdict on the team as like game three implied. Yeah, I, yeah. I wonder if like all the best they can hope for is um, like that coach is almost certainly getting fired. Uh, did you see the bit about the town? Oh yeah, about like how he to understand Boston and to like build team culture, right? He watched the town a bunch. Not just wa- like watches it like four times a week. Well, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You that's, might say that's you might a little say weird. That what? Uh, like on one like on one hand, trying to understand Boston through the lens of the town. Okay, a little odd, but yeah, sure. That's funny right out of the gate, to be quite honest. That <laughs> yes. is already hysterically funny. Yes, yes, it is. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we, you know, the, 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 the Celtics have been kind of a strange team 
post uh, the like losing in the finals last year to the Warriors. Um, I, I don't know. I think you'd say that they were a strange team in that finals, right? Like yeah. the, the experience was always like on their day. They are unequivocally like the best team in basketball. At least last mm-hmm. year they were. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't show up. And I'll say this about like Missoula. Like I have seen people sort of saying like this points out that, you know, this this whole thing doesn't work without Ime Odoka, who was like put on a leave of absence and then sort of just terminated under kind of weird circumstances involving uh, like personal conduct. It was, yeah, it was um, never really disclosed, which frankly, not that I'm trying to give, you know, props to the Boston Boston sports organizations, but like there were like much messier ways for organizations to justify why they were getting. And it did seem like a lot of details on whatever happened were kept out of the public eye. And yeah. a decision was made. And like I, I respected that. Right. But there were folks who were like, because there was lack of information, you know, was Udoka kind of uh, done dirty in all this. Mm-hmm. And I think the, you have to assume that like. For them to get rid of a coach that had been that successful, uh, that it was something like they really felt they their, their hand was being forced. But either way, there were folks like coming out of the like out of game three, especially who were saying this kind of proved that uh, this team doesn't work without Udoka. That uh, you know Missoula's got to go. They never should have fired Ime. This is the same team. Like the notion that oh that game three never would have happened under Ime. Bullshit! Like this, this is who they were. They yeah. lost a finals because of this. Yeah, like it. You know, you can say that like Missoula clearly is not like rising to the moment, and certainly the optics of like every time he tries to get the team to rally, it's Al Horford uh, being the one who's like doing the or whole Marcus guys. We Smart. It's like, hey, time out, time to talk about the next play. Coach is taking a backseat while one of the senior players is explaining what we're doing. Not a great look. uh, But at the same time, like, I think you do have to look at this is a team that really did just fumble it away versus the Warriors last year. And now they're that but worse. The swings are worse. And the moments where they, you know show what their ceiling is are fewer and farther between so like i don't know it feels pretty apocalyptic for the for the celtics uh right now now you know if they manage to staunch the bleeding and they end up uh coming out of this with like a they go out four two in the series that's a godsend maybe it postpones some of the hard conversations that are coming but coming out of game three there was kind of a sense of like what what here works? Well, and also, like, you know, you talk about players quitting. It felt like that was a team that had quit. Like, didn't feel like it had the cohesion, the strategy, the players, whatever. Like, p- take your pick. And yet, like, it, th- there's losing by 10 points, and then there's losing by 30 points. Or, like, whatever the gap beca- Like, it became a blowout. And that's not what you expect from, like, th- this level of the series. Like, you know, especially from a team, like, right? Like, I think... Like the Heat were an eighth seed. Um, like that, this is not how this is supposed to go. Now, granted, the Heat are defying all expectations of what teams at certain seeds just like the Bulls could have done. Just like the Bulls could have done. Hey, it does allow us. To, look, right until that into that fourth quarter with five minutes to go, looked like the the Bulls this is had, what I'm had, saying. Their, had their number. Um, and but you know, you look at the Lakers Nuggets game, and like, yes, the Nuggets were firmly in control, and they did sweep the Lakers. But if you actually watch those games, those games were competitive. 
and they were close and didn't never really felt like they were going to go the other way, but they were not blowouts. Those were extreme. That was like as sweeps are not usually fun to watch. Um, They're usually particularly non-competitive games in which you're just trying to get to the next round as an audience member. So you can just watch like some decent competitive play. And those Lakers Nuggets games were fun as hell. Like those were extremely enjoyable games to watch, even if at the same time you're watching LeBron James, like finally confront like time itself and just be unable to be the superhuman that we have expected from him for literal decades at this point. But it was still like a ton of fun. Yeah, those were, um, you know, a thing that people I think were coming to appreciate more at the end of that series was the Lakers looked like they were staring a lost season, uh, you know, in the eye. And they turned into a pretty good team, uh, if if not a great one, but they ran into a great one. And that was really that's what sealed their fate. Right. Like they 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 could hang tough in the series, but they didn't have the they didn't have the horses to win those games. And the Nuggets just kind of look inevitable, uh, both in, in the sense of like for a while, it's looked like this is the team that is going to cruise to the finals, but also in the sense of, you know, you watch a lot of playoff basketball, basketball in general. It does tend to be a game with lots of like streaks and runs and such nuggets basketball doesn't feel that way it feels like they just like perfectly pace through the game to continue just like running up like a a sizable score on you and you you go on a run you can like break away from the little bit but they don't get rattled they keep coming and that seems like it's going to be a very very hard thing for anyone to beat uh because there's just not many teams that can both like produce enough points to beat the Nuggets, but also do anything to stop them from scoring on you. Because like ultimately, uh, Jokic can stand in the paint and just like, I mean, there are times his game looks like in middle school, like one of the kids who just like sprouts early and a little stronger than Uh everyone else is just down like. Is just just like <laughs> standing over these kids, pl- like playing keep away, and just like lobbing the ball over their heads. I mean, the, I mean, the there were a number of threes that I mean, like this series is the, the closest I have watched the Nuggets play. Um, uh, probably, you know, in the last like couple of years when they've kind of crystallized in, in being pretty good. Um, and like there were like multiple shots that like Jokic would do. It's like a caveman hurtling a giant rock. Like, he's throwing threes that by any conventional measure, if you did not know the player, did not know their track record, did not know that they are don't really fit the sort of aesthetic profile that we normally associate with um, players uh, uh, like uh, of that caliber, it looks like he's just throwing the ball away. Like, well, okay, I'm tossing, I'm tossing it up, but, like, clearly it's not going to go in. Because it's almost like he's heaving it behind his head and then just whipping it. And then he sunk multiple threes that way and every time. And this is something that I, I, I like, find myself actually kind of rattled by is, like, he's not fun, to, like, he's not fun to watch play. Like, and what I mean by that is he does not fit the traditional aesthetic measures of, like, when I talk about, like, cool-looking basketball, like, frankly, I look, look at Jimmy Butler, right? Like, is on the other side of that. Like, a guy who can hit the threes, like, gets in for layups and, like, looks cool as shit doing it. Like, there's nothing cool about, Yo- like, Yo- like, his game. It is just 
like a rock fight, but like he's really talented at throwing this rock. And I don't know. It's it's a weird feeling to be like, like even a, a, like a, a sequence where he does something amazing. Like when I watch the highlight, it's like that doesn't look amazing. Now he did it, and I I know it's amazing, but it's just like not cool to look at. I don't know. It's so I get I get what you're saying. There is an element of um, he's not posterizing people, but there are times as well where it's like you watch you watch enough basketball, you know how hard it is to thrive in the paint like he does, mm-hmm. right? Like it is hard to just like command that space and stand there and like. Get that look and make that shot, but he does routine like the sheer number of times. It's like there's all the mess around him, and then he just sticks that arm up and out of it, and just sort of like lobs it in, and it goes. And like the other thing is those shots, like those those little short range contested shots, mm-hmm. are so much harder to make than they look. Like you see every night, guys trying to get those on rebounds or you know like battling for the ball and just trying to put it up there and get like good players. And, like, usually those shots don't go in, despite the range, despite, like, they're, they're just tough to make. And I think, for me, that is the thing that actually feels the most, like, he's ripping the soul out of people's bodies. Is that, you know what, like, lots of lots of teams now have guys who, who hit those, like, wild pull-up threes and such. But it is the, I am just going to stand here, and that's two. That's another two. Again and again, mm-hmm. uh, that is the stuff that like you're not supposed to be like giving away points like that, and the Nuggets are just taking them. Well, that's what makes the match the like the most likely matchup for the finals. I mean, obviously, I guess there's a a chance that the Heat completely blow it, but I, you know, I think we are heading towards a Nuggets Heat finals, and like that's that is probably not what you know, the league wants from a ratings perspective, you know what I mean? Like having the Lakers in there is better for the cool, better for the league. Having the Celtics in there is quote better for the league. It's going to get more average people to show up, but like the nuggets, this team who feels inedible has this player that doesn't make any sense. Like how we like normally think of like how basketball players are supposed to look and function. And then the heat, a team who statistically don't make any sense, like should not be this good, looked awful, in the regular season, or at least like middling an average. I mean, if I think it points to like the the broad and broad strokes, the talent level of the NBA just being baseline higher than so like quote unquote bad teams are just better than they've ever been. But they should not be this dominant. Like the Celtics, for all of their flaws and the fact that they, sometimes they just don't show up, are like for those three games, we're get, not just getting beat, but they're ass kicked, humiliated. Like Butler is out there actively making fun of them like he is a schoolyard bully and if i was a celtics fan like i cannot imagine how like the fury of a thousand suns would be burning within you when he is doing like those bits like the the timeout stuff to horford like it's unbelievable and like those two clashes of play style sound incredibly fun for the finals i think the nuggets probably pull it out i just think They've got too much going on. Momentum is on their side. But if you were to pick one team, we're like, well, who would have a chance? Like, it's 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 Jimmy Buckets. Like, if any player has a chance, it's him. Well, and like, I feel like both in the Phoenix series and the Lakers series, even more the Lakers series, but in both of those, you saw team teams just could not hang with the Nuggets the entire run, right? They would just sort of like... They were gassed at the end. They couldn't. They couldn't manage another run. by you know, in the last like five minutes of the fourth, mm-hmm. and like the Nuggets was like pull out that little lead, and then you look up and it's a big lead. Mm-hmm. 
the Heat are like the Heat are built different on that front. Like they are also kind of a relentless team, and I'm really curious. Yeah, I'm curious what that matchup uh, looks like. And the other thing is, you know, the the thing that was really supposed to be the kiss of death for the Heat was that like Tyler Harrow uh, yeah. was supposed to be one of their major weapons, and he was hurt this this entire playoffs and so like they just weren't going to have the offensive firepower to do any of this it hasn't mattered like you know this this discussion of like they're undrafted uh players they're like you know the the backups uh you know the backups to the backups in some ways there, um, there was a, there was a stat on one of the games uh one of the, the, the for the first three where the Celtics were shooting particularly uh poorly and like the stat at, at the bottom of the screen was like Celtics players total points, and it was something yes. beautiful. And it was like uh, uh, Heat like undrafted players total points, and it was something like Celtics six like undrafted players like twenty eight or something. Like they were, it was, it was a really bad you know uh, run. But like it just it's it's almost hard to even look at the Heat as like is this good roster construction or is this just special and magical and exceptional? And we should appreciate the mo- the synthesis that is happening here but that other teams will n- cannot replicate what is occurring you know it like i don't i don't know basketball that well i enjoy watching it i just yeah. don't know it that well the the one thing i i will say is like one it does it does feel special it does feel like something like really unusual is happening here but also it does seem like uh jimmy jimmy butler and to a slightly lesser extent uh bam Adebayo are forcing the defense to contract and follow them more closely. And like, you know, the thing about NBA players in general is that, you know, you can sit like all of them tend to be really good shooters if they are not being contested very effectively. You know, that's that's the weird thing. You, you think of guys as like, oh, you know, the, the, this guy can't, you know, can't hit shit. And it's like, no, you can't hit shit against the typical NBA defense. But like, you know, in a shoot around versus you know is someone at the gym they would massacre them because actually with none of the none of the defense in their face none of the none of none of the contesting uh of the shot they're really really accurate they're really good at sinking these it's just the difficulty of the game that makes these field goal percentages what what they are and some of like some of the stuff i see when the heat are really going off is the defense is being pulled apart so completely that some of the looks that the other three players on the heat are getting are incredibly wide open. Um, and I think that, I think that is part of it is I, I do think there is an element of the teams playing the heat are consistently find themselves in these damned. If you do situations where you can either follow Jimmy around in which case lots of other shots are open for other people and God help you. The other people are making them. Or you can run a conventional defense and Jimmy's just going to shred you. Just a chaotic team. And because they're all like they they have that kind of. Uh, I don't know, they just suck the energy out of teams, right? Like they are just it just seems like they did it to the Knicks. They, they're doing it to the Celtics where it's like the best you're going to get Celtics is you got this one game. And like I still feel like. If I was betting money, I would just be betting on the Heat to just. And even that one game, yes, the Celtics did snap in, but I actually felt like this the Heat were going to lose it from the first half because, like, the Heat were not taking them seriously. You could feel that. Mm-hmm. Is the, the Heat were, 
they were just pulling up and shelling the net, and they still damn near like yeah built out a lead. But if you compare how they were playing in the other games to how they played Game Four, the Heat were having fun. And they were they were toying with their food a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, that, like, given the way that the Celtics played in the in the, the previous game, you can't really blame them for being like, "Well, do we really need to put in all of our energy into this one?" No, like, it's a hard physical game. Showing up showing up that hard every, every night. night is really tough. Yeah, and so I, I yes, I do feel like they were kind of checking. Can we put this away going at half speed? Uh, yeah, and the longer it takes, I mean, like the, you know, one of the advantages of the Nuggets, even though they're not a particularly injured team, is, you know, the finals don't start until next Saturday or Thursday or something like that. Like, it's a long time to rest yeah. and, and get right before um, the finals actually begin. And so the, the Heat are a little more banged up um, than than the Nuggets. And so they're, they're going to want to hopefully put this put this away. It's. Um, it's been a great playoffs, though, overall. Yes. I think it's been, and, yeah, and I feel like it's left the NBA in such an interesting place where it is like uh, the Warriors had their um, like false dawns, the the wrong the wrong word. Um, but like they kind of stole one last year. You know, their mm-hmm. era, you know, got a bit of a grace period. Uh, it looks it's just tough for them to pull it together for a playoff run at this point. Sixers look completely lost. Um, I was talking to uh, our moderator Mo the other night. And I was like, you know, in a weird way, because this is a, this is a thing that happens in the NBA. I think more than even in the NFL in some ways, just because of how like things are constructed. One of the things that I think helps teams that win a lot is that in their desperation to defeat whoever the leading teams are, other franchises begin making desperation moves to try to like, how do we break the ceiling? How do we fix it? Like, I think you'd argue that LeBron James devastated the Eastern Conference, like for his entire career, was just like one team after another. Bulls had their moment of like, this is a championship caliber team. Nope. Uh, hard ceiling, and that ceiling is LeBron James. And then that those teams start... knees. <laughs> yeah, no, one hundred percent. But like, this is you. You see teams though being like reached the inclusion where it's like, oh, it's time to blow it up. Time to oh, we got to change the coach. The team's not responding to the coach anymore. And you see teams, I think, enter maybe death spirals because they're trying to figure out like how do we how do we beat how do we break this barrier. And I think that's happening a lot in the Eastern Conference right now. A lot of teams the, the are le- having Rob, that, the like, lesson may be for these Chicago Bulls, like very easy for this. If they want to, to convince themselves of a lie would be to say they they actually crushed the Nuggets um, uh, in the regular season um, and they got beat by the Heat who went to the finals. Shouldn't you just run a team like that back? No. And shouldn't you just put Stacey King on a national broadcast? I mean, you should do that. Put Stacey King on that TNT stage. Dude, this is the I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm like, genuinely, yes, I'm again. We a get huge one more homer. night at Chuck, though. That's they were like doing the whole lament. Like, is this our final night? We done for the season because they don't do anything for the finals. That's all on ABC. So, like, at least we get one more night of of Shaq and Chuck. But I'm like, uh, like I I have been struck. The one thing the playoffs have been great. I miss the weirdness of the Stacey King broadcast and his weird mix of like odd little bits and also actually thoughtful, engaged insight as opposed to uh, what we tend to get for a lot of the playoffs. 
I think that's right. Uh, well, let's answer a couple of questions. We got some good ones uh, that people wrote in with. Hey, did you see this message from Austin? No. We have Command- breaking news. <laughs> we have breaking sports Commander's news. trademark application is denied. Good God. That's incredible. I mean, the thing they should do is rename it again and get the full stink of Snyder out of there. So maybe this is someone's sending the, the trademark office some cash to be like, can you just please deny this so we have a plausible reason to name it? I didn't like the commander's name either. Dump I, the color scheme, like genuinely, yeah. just blow it all away. Yeah. The color scheme's tainted too. It's just, all got to go. Just start over. Just start over. Uh, hi, sports. Perhaps in theme with this being the last sports pod ever, my question is about fandom and legacy. There's been a narrative that, quote, kids these days follow players instead of teams, especially in American sports. I'm not sure that's necessarily true, as most of this is claimed anecdotally, but I've always found the idea of fandom fascinating. If this were true, is American sports fandom going to slowly erode over time, especially as players switch teams more and more now? I've always wondered if I uh, ever have kids, if I'll try to plant my Chicago sports fandom in them at an early age. I used to be pretty adamant that I would do so, but as I get older, I'm not so sure anymore. I know that Patrick said he's always wanted his daughters to discover video games organically if it were to happen, but do you feel the same way about your sports fandom? To me, there is some sense of familial inheritance that I enjoy with fandom. My parents immigrated here in the 90s and have told me that little toddler me used to watch the 90s Bulls on TV back then. My Bears fandom can be traced back to that 2006 Super Bowl run and watching games with my dad every Sunday as he learned the game along with me. It's funny how it all started with such success, but ever since Chicago sports has mostly become a dumpster fire. In a way, we are all cursed with sports fandom in one way or the other, and that's part of the experience. But maybe it doesn't have to be this way, and none of this is all that serious. Anyway, part of my philosophical rambling, I'm going to miss the pod. I'm going to miss being infuriated with Rob's 2023 Bulls optimism. <laughs> you and me both. Uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, please sell the team. Uh, I think that is an interesting question of the that is like broadly kind of called the player empowerment era of like players in this, we largely talk about this with baseball or, or uh, with basketball, but it's coming a little bit to 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 football. Um, and it's obviously very common in like European football where like there's just more player movement brought like I'd be curious, like in like I think it is an open question on whether players whether kids start get attached regionally to sports in the same way that they did um, as their parents. But I like I guess we'd have to wait longer to see the date, the data kind of bear that out. But I do think. I don't know, like lots of kids were fans of Michael Jordan, didn't like the Bulls and probably still were fans of their their local sports team. But I don't know what's happening to sports writ large and if whether there's like impact there. It's yeah, I think there's so many layers to this. Um, I remember the the thesis that people are going to get into the stars and not the teams, uh, I think, has kind of fallen apart because it like it turns out there were a few stars that exerted that kind of pull on people. Uh, LeBron was was one of them. Uh, you know, the the Warriors have been another great story. But I like I feel like viewership trends and such kind of indicated that people were not really just following the stars uh, that it was or or that there were not enough interesting new stars like coming up to create a new paradigm for for fandom. Um, so I'm not sure I'm not sure if that is the future. And there's the broader demographic crisis facing sports, which is all their viewerships are aging. Um, and I think a, a big part of that is probably due to the fact that you tend to lose a lot of young people. Um, 
you know, my, my like one theory I've always had is like sports sports wedded themselves completely completely to cable TV, and I think you I think like a lot of hand wringing is like why aren't sports speaking to young people? What like how are we losing these these generations? It's because your TV deals like you 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 tied everything to cable TV and the advertising money. Like it's not just that. that it's it's also the way it's sliced up and distributed, right? Like yes. In or if you are a fan of a sport, it's one thing you're just like, I want to watch my team, my regional team's games. Like that is still co- can be complicated, but is at least broadly. Oh, it is here. Stri- right. YouTube like, TV doesn't have nothing. Right. Um, so it can be complicated. But like if you're like, I just would like to understand the league. And it's like, well, it's not even as simple as buying like, you know, uh, like a league sports pass. Like that doesn't like, oh, uh, you know, like like the the NFL, for example. Now the NFL is big enough; it can do whatever the fuck it wants. But they sold one wild card game to Peacock next season for a hundred million dollars. It will not; it will be aired locally on TV in those regions where those teams are. But everyone else has to pay to sign up for Peacock, or hopefully you've never signed up and you get the free trial <laughs> uh, to watch one game. And it's like that shit. Like reeks of just short term squeezing at the expense of long term fan investment and is going to get them to turn to other other things that are just easier to access. Well, it's the like, well, same deal with, um, you know, going to the games is wildly expensive. So, you know, I guess like upper middle class kids will have warm memories of going to take in a ball game with mom and dad or something. But like. I don't know, man. I've barely been to a live sports event in years uh, because until fairly recently, that shit was completely out of like there was just never a time when it made any sense. Like, yeah, I'll go take in a game. Look up Bruins tickets. Just random. Like I like the, like Boston sports very easy for me to get to. The prices are really discouraging. Uh, so I think there's I think there's a lot of it. I think I so I think the, the bottom line is the everyone's going to get into the players thing isn't really bearing out in terms of like what we do about like passing on fandom i've thought about this a lot this is this is kind of probably my most right-wing belief um this has sort of come to over the years which is that on balance i don't like i don't like fucking losers and that is not a and the thing is that's not like a socioeconomic judgment it is like there are some people who have loser written all fucking over them democratic politicians the <laughs> chicago bears and like i feel like honestly my relationship to the bears turned me into the sort of person who tolerated and embraced a lot of mediocrity in a way that like has not been beneficial for me as a human. Like sometimes it is healthy to look at something and be like, "This ain't it," and it doesn't matter if you if your dad and your dad's dad all grew up like cheering like Go Bears. If you look around, you're like, "These people are fucking losers. They can't get their shit together. They can't do the least thing right." You don't need to be associated with that. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm with you. I do not think. Um Regional sports are your birthright, but part of fandom is picking a path and then sticking with it. Yes. Once it is no longer rational. And so, look, if you I I had friends that that, that did this where when the Bears were really sucking, this is like, I don't know, like eight or nine years ago. They're like, I don't want to watch the Bears anymore. We're picking a new team. And they picked the Panthers because they like Cam Newton. 
And it's like, okay, like I can sort of respect it. It's like a, a good team, but not a like a ama- like, you know, I mean, there's no guarantees. Like Cam Newton is fun to watch. I want to watch that every Sunday and make that my team. I was like, okay. I don't know if they stuck with that, but I think if you're going to make that choice, when you say fandom, what you mean is you're getting on the crazy train. Like the times are not going to yes. be good forever. And so if what well, you're asking is like, can I, as soon as my team becomes dysfunctional, can I just pick a new one? Well, that's not fandom. Fandom has to ride out or just deal with up the to fact. A point. I think, so the thing is, I think like, Hey, winners hit hard times too. You know what I mean? It's like you can hit like, so then what are the bulls? How long do I have to be a fan until the nineties have run out of gas? The bears is it's 85, right? That's run out of gas. Like that's done. Stop talking about 1985. Nobody gives a shit. The thing is like, I feel especially like when you listen to a lot of the Chicago sports media that you and I do, right? There's always this sense of like, does the ownership get it and care? Or are they stringing everyone along? Because historically, the rap on the McCaskies is they're very happy to string people along. Like the team just has to be good enough to keep the gravy train running. But really, like you're all being played for suckers. And there are times when I look at the Bears and I'm like, this is not a serious operation. Like a serious operation wouldn't have allowed things to get this far. I'm too far in. But if I but if I think about like a hypothetical like child of mine, am I saying? The bears your inheritance. I don't know that I am, but I think more importantly is it is useful to look at a situation. It's like these are not just hard times. This is bad faith. And I think that's kind of the difference, right? Like the thing I like about the Bulls is, and this is why I like that they were playing hard. They were playing hard when like maybe arguably the thing to do was just like throw in the towel, but like they had that dog in them. And they were gonna they were gonna make a go of it with this like really compromised, awkwardly constructed roster, and that was fun to watch. That gave me two months of like really fun basketball to to watch, and I would take that over many full seasons I've had with the Bears just like running the clock on one more misbegotten era. And so I think I think that is kind of it for me. Is like I think you are signing up for the good times and the bad, but I think there is a moment where you have to realize like. This is a good thing. This fandom is kind of being twisted and like instrumentalized by people who fundamentally are playing a different game than the sport I'm watching. I think that is I think that is right. I can I can I can endorse that. Um, unfortunately, I think that is going to bring us to the to the end of the uh, end of the podcast. Uh, we're, we're getting tight for time here. I have to take a child to an art class um, and we're getting tight for time on on Waypoint. But uh Thanks to everyone who has listened to sports. It was, you know, the whole lark here was, you know, Rob and I were talking about sports in a DM with Austin. It's like, what if, should we just start recording these thoughts into a microphone and see how far we can uh, push the Waypoint audience into listening to us talk about the most inane bullshit, especially if we wrap it around largely Chicago sports. Um, and, and the way people responded to it has been awesome and really fun. And I, you know, it's unfortunate that here at the end, I thought we'd kind of found our way towards how do we do other stuff and and talk about other sports that aren't necessarily those specific uh, regional topics. Um, and so, you know, I mean, never say never. I, I think, uh, you know, when it was invoked that uh, wouldn't it be nice to talk about Tour de France, you know, 
Maybe we'll find a way to talk about Tour de France. Um, maybe you can't completely keep us down. I'm going to have to talk to, like, I have to find some some venue to talk to Patrick about what happened with Arsenal this year. <laughs> and, like, watching all of English soccer had its soul ripped away by Man City. <laughs> yes. So, I, you know, I think that poll is still going to be there. Um, and people just have to stay tuned as we try and figure out where does that where does that poll take us? But if this is the end, it has been an incredibly fun ride. I've, I've really delighted and enjoyed being able to tell people that what do you do for a living? And then in a slightly embarrassed tone, be like, I don't know. Sometimes people pay me to talk about the Chicago Bears. Are you a sp- like a sports analyst? I am not. I am not. I'm a connoisseur of many games. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Sports is a game, is is it not? To refute that one. Um I've got an outro. It's it doesn't really matter. You I you know, you can follow Waypoint if you want at Waypoint on Twitter, on Twitch at twitch.tv slash waypoint and at youtube.com slash waypoint vice. Lots of archives are still up there. There's things to check out. In our writing at waypoint.vice.com, there'll be a couple of things going up before this is all said and done. Um, this episode is premiering ad-free on Waypoint Plus. Thanks to everyone who subscribed to that over the years to get uh, early episodes, exclusive episodes, ad-free episodes. Uh, you can follow me at Patrick Klepek. Rob, where can the people follow you? At Rob Zachney on Twitter until someone hooks me up with a Blue Sky invite. <laughs> it's true. I keep. I gotta oh, I, get out. I keep tweeting or. What do we call? What are we calling it? A blue sky? I don't know. Uh, oh shit! What was? Wasn't it? there a word? Yeah, it was different. It was different. It was like it wasn't. I'm posting. I'm posting there because I've I've heard that invites are tied to activity, and I I still haven't gotten one, so I can get so I can get Rob in. But I'll keep I'll keep posting, and hopefully I'll get that invite so I can give Rob the hookup. But until next time, wherever it may skeets. be, skeets. You're skeeting. I don't like that. I don't like, I don't like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna run away from that as fast as possible and say until next time, whatever form it takes, fuck capitalism and bear down. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.